6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Well, since the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, social networks have been flooded with videos from both sides. Uh, mobile phones in hand, soldiers and civilians documenting the war as it happens. Really, social media has become a part of the battlefield. Mobile phones are allowing us to watch a war live, and it's generating millions of views. Both countries as well are using social media to get their respective messages out. But for Russia, it is getting tougher. Meta, that runs and owns Facebook and Instagram, announced today that it will allow users in some countries to call for violence against Russians and Russian soldiers. And many social media outlets in Russia have either been cut off by that country or by the sites themselves. With more on how kind of social media is playing a role in the war in Ukraine, we're joined by tech journalist Carmi Levy. Carmi, welcome back to the show. Jalen, great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. So when you're tuckered, though, I've got to ask you this first. When you're a little tuckered, <laughs> now, is it is it you getting out for a walk and taking photos that gets you going? Because I know you're a great photographer, Carmi. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, I'll put the dog on the leash because she always loves to come. Uh, grab my camera, sling it over my shoulder, and we'll just disappear for a little while. There's nothing like dog and photo therapy to, you know, refill your personal gas tank, and it certainly costs a lot less than real stuff. Isn't that the truth? And that dog of yours is cute as a button, Carmi. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <you. laughs> All right, so we know that uh, the use of social networks in, in war times or in an uprising isn't new. We saw it during the, the Arab Spring in the in the in the Syrian civil war. Um, but it's changed since 2011 when that happened because TikTok wasn't a thing at that time. Instagram was only about a year old. It has been fascinating and, and I think at times maybe alarming to watch how this war has played out on social media. Very much so. You know, when, when it first really became a thing, I think the Arab Spring in 2011 was probably the first time we really saw just how significant a role that social media can play during times of strife, during, you know, wartime or, you know, quasi-war. And, and so I think that sort of established the template. But, you know, then it was, you know, using social media to open up a, a formerly closed society, give protesters an opportunity to share their story with the world. We didn't really talk a lot about misinformation or disinformation. Governments really hadn't figured out how to use social media to advance mm -hmm. their state ends. Uh, and certainly Russia didn't, hadn't emerged as a cyber war superpower yet. Of course, we learned the hard way mm -hmm. after 2016. And that's kind of where we're at in 2022 is we've had over a decade of development of these tools. The governments have figured out how to use them to their own ends. Uh, and now we're seeing, you know, it's being used for both good and for bad. And it's being used to spread both information yeah. that deserves to see the light of day and misinformation that we really wish didn't. And, and, and that's really the challenge, and it has been a challenge over the past number of years, not just the past three weeks, Carmi, is, is determining what is uh, information and what is disinformation. Exactly. And, you know, we've we've been saying all along that the platform, so Meta, Facebook, uh, that owns Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, you name it, all of them, Snapchat, that they should be doing more to dial down the misinformation, that they need better technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning to identify questionable content and then uh, ensure that it doesn't see the light of day or dial it back, use the algorithms, uh, you know, the technology in the background that ensures that if someone is spreading misinformation, 
information that it doesn't find a wide audience. And that's all well and good. We know that the companies, the tech companies, have been investing tremendously in both technology and people to identify and, and stop the spread of this information or at least slow it down. The problem is, is it's, it's like trying to clean the ocean. You, know, you, can, you, you can do the best that you can, but we're never going to quite get there. And the reality is you and I, as both consumers of this content as well as producers and sharers of this content, we have a role to play as well. And I think mm -hmm. really we're going to see success only if we all as individuals step up and start becoming more critical about the stuff that we create, uh, that, we, that we consume, and that we share. It is it's something to see, you know, when you take a look at all of these platforms, either Russia has suspended them within that country or the, 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 um, the parent company like Meta or whatever have, has, has, has canceled, um, has, has paused them in, in Russia. And I worry about the vacuum that that might create in Russia. I mean, part of me starts to, and this just popped into my head, at least if some of it was still there, that maybe that they, folks might get that other side. And it, but without it there, does, does Russia just then allow and continue to allow to put out the message um, unopposed, mm -hmm. right? I think that's what terrifies me most about what we're seeing on the technology front of this conflict is that we're seeing it's almost like the raising of a new digital iron curtain. And we know that Russia has been uh, making some very mm -hmm. significant moves to cut itself off technologically from the rest of the world. And nothing terrifies Putin more than having the truth come out and having his people have access to the truth. It's exactly the same playbook that played out during the, the time of the Soviet Union or even 1930s uh, Germany, where you know the master propagandists used the tools of the day to ensure that the citizens heard only their story and nothing else. So this works to Vladimir Putin's advantage because he gets to lock out external influences and keep the average Russian citizen from seeing the truth or having access to the truth. Uh, but then, of course, from, from our perspective, it's almost like we're going right back to the Cold War. We can't get messages in. They can't get messages out. And it's just like it was as, as I was being raised and as, as I was worried about you know, the fact that this misunderstanding, this division, this lack of visibility into each other's lives, that's what led to this conflict in the first place. Yeah, and, and you know, when you... When you you take a look at how things are, are are escalating i know in some cases some media outlets are are getting their reporters out of the way they're they're, they're getting their journalists to, to safety and I, and I read this quote and i thought oh my gosh and it said social media is an imperfect chronicler of wartime but in some cases it may also be the most reliable source that we have mm -hmm. you know and i thought Oh wow! Isn't that something else? I mean, when you when you sit down and you think about that and think who's in there, what we're seeing exactly, because a reporter, you know, reporting crew from I I don't know CNN or Global can't be everywhere in Russia, but what we're seeing is video come in from everywhere in Ukraine, rather. And, and I think this is where traditional media has an incredibly important role to play, no matter where their reporters and crews may be physically located, is so that now we have this this tremendous trove of video and, 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 and other multimedia information that's flowing in from from Ukraine. Uh, traditional media can help parse that, can help separate the wheat from the chaff, the truth from the untruth, and interpret what is coming out. Because social media without interpretation is just a giant, giant mess, a giant bowl of chaos. Mm -hmm. But traditional media leveraging these tools uh, can really almost form like an alliance with the rest of us to add an additional layer of understanding and insight to what we're seeing come out of Ukraine. In fact, I think new forms of media are being born as we as we watch this, this conflict unfold. Carmi, are you on TikTok? 
Yes, I am, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> just as, a, as an experiment, just to sort of, you know, have an account and see if it works and also, you know, make my kids happy. But um, I'm, I'm under no illusions. Nothing I ever share online is going to go viral. That's just not my thing. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see me do TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. You never know. You never know. Carmi, thanks for this. Thanks for your insight. Always appreciate it. Have a fantastic weekend. Thanks so much, Shailen. Yeah. You as well. Yeah, take care. Carmi Levy joining us this afternoon, a tech journalist and uh, has been a longtime contributor to this show. Always great to have him to have him on.